Thanks for tuning in to Our Right Stories, a project created and developed by the Just Right Scotland team with your host, Natalia. Welcome to part two of our hashtag 16 Days of Activism campaign against gender-based violence episode, which is a part of an annual international campaign that runs until Human Rights Day on December 10th. This year's call to action is to call on governments worldwide to invest in prevention to eradicate violence against women and girls. We welcome our special guests, Constance and Nicola, and also welcome back, Lindsay. Today's episode will focus on their work providing legal support, advocacy, training, and resources to help tackle some of these barriers to justice through their work done at the Scottish Women's Rights Center. Today we have guests, Constance. Hi, Natalia. Nice to be here. Lindsay. Hi. Hi, welcome. And also Nicola. Hi, Natalia. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Just so our listeners know, I'm going to start with you, Nicola. Could you give us a little bit more um, information about your role at the Scottish Women's Rights Center? and your role when working with volunteers. Sure, so I am one of the advocacy workers at the Scottish Women's Rights Centre. For those who maybe don't know, the Scottish Women's Rights Centre is a collaborative project with Rape Crisis Scotland, Just Right Scotland and the University of Strathclyde Law Clinic. We provide support to women in Scotland who have experienced gender-based violence. We provide information, support, non-legal advice um, and representation to advocate for their rights, make sure their voices are heard and ultimately support them to overcome any barriers to justice that they may be facing. It's amazing. And so can you tell me a little bit more about what it is the work that you do specifically? Yeah, so we the support that I had just mentioned, so we do that through our advocacy helpline um, where we offer the support through maybe one phone call or where it's appropriate, we can sometimes then take on a case and support a survivor long term. So that could be supporting them to find and instruct a solicitor. A lot of survivors that we speak to have never did that before, so they maybe don't know what the process is. We can also support them through any complaints process. So it may be that they have had an experience where they have had to contact the police or support services. Um, and they are unhappy about the support that they received, so they would like to make a complaint. Again, that can be a process that they might not have ever gone through before, so we can offer them support through that. Um, And we can also offer them support in general in terms of accessing other support services that might be appropriate for them. Um, I'm also the lead worker for Follow App within Scottish Women's Rights Centre, which is our stalking and harassment app for all smartphones. So this is available to all women in Scotland who are aged 18 and over um, and it allows survivors to input details of incidents which means that they can keep a really concise and accurate record um, of the ex- of stalking and the harassment that they might be experiencing um, and it might be that they are considering reporting that to the police and it means that they have all that information within the app. Um, to then provide that to the police. Yeah, and the last episode we had Lindsay and she was definitely telling us a little bit more about that app and I didn't know something like this was actually like existing as Colin, which just yeah. sounds so helpful in a lot of the different reasons that you mentioned. Um, so Constance, let me go to you now. Mm-hmm. Could you let our listeners know what your role is at the Scottish Women's Rights Centre? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am a legal caseworker within the Scottish Women's Rights Centre. So that means I will be mostly working with the solicitors at the Scottish Women's Rights Centre. And basically the legal work that we do at this is twofold. So on one hand, there's the outreach legal work that we do. 
that is mostly working with service users who reach out to us. So generally they will, you know, either email us or call the helpline and the advocacy workers like Nicola will then um, forward us the inquiries or forward us the, their case. And then we will, I will be helping the solicitors with the provision of initial legal advice and information, um, human rights information to women who have experienced gender-based violence. And, and that includes having legal callbacks. We also do legal surgeries. Um, and in my role as a legal caseworker, I will help organize this um, and make sure that accessibility needs are met during the surgery appointments. I will usually be following up with useful resources and information such as how to find a solicitor um, or signposting to relevant organizations um, when necessary. So that was one part, the outreach part. And then we've got the client legal work. And so when we decide to take on a client, so much goes on and so much happens and the legal caseworker is, is there to support the solicitor do the client work. Um, and so, for example, I'd be doing multiple tasks such as helping prepare for the court case. Um, I will help in gather the evidence for the case as well. Um, I'll also be helping with submitting um, applications, compensation applications, for example, um, and also liaising with the client um, just to, to make sure that the case is going well. A legal caseworker will also, apart from this outreach and specific legal work, we'll also be helping the project in general. So that might include um, the delivery of trainings, um, the development of human rights resources. So for example, the Scottish Women's Rights Centre has a public legal education programme and we've been creating and developing a lot of um, online legal guides and resources for survivors of gender-based violence. And I'll be helping with the creation and de development of, of those resources. And specifically, my role when working with the volunteers, um, I've been working quite closely with the student volunteers at the Strathclyde Law Clinic. Um, mostly what I would do is coordinate their work. Um, so when the student volunteers start their shift, I'll usually be the one preparing their tasks um, and liaising with them to make sure that they understand what we're you know, expecting of them and just checking in regularly to see that everything's okay. Um, and I've also been helping with the onboarding of our pro bono solicitors. So these are volunteers who have been staffing a Tuesday evening helpline. And I've helped a bit with that as well. So mostly, you know, coordinating and helping and, and making sure that every volunteer that works with the Scottish Women's Rights Centre um, feels welcomed and feels like they have all the information they need. And in addition to the development of trainings and human rights resources, um, I will also be doing a lot of research and a lot of policy work to make sure we also influence um, legislation and, and policy changes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's such a wide range of things that you provide and as well as poor you provide. And, and kind of going back to one of our episodes, we had Amon and Antonia on. And Amon said that, you know, caseworkers are essentially those safe pair of hands for the solicitors and for the centers. And I think the list of work that you just provided shows that, right? It's, it's providing that support to clients, providing that support to volunteers. And I think that's that's amazing. And it sounds like you get to also see and be involved in some really cool pieces of work. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to ask you more about that later. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, 
So, Lindsay, I kind of want to bring you in on this. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what the SWRC has achieved so far? Yeah, of course. So I think that one of the big things that we've done this year um, in terms of trying to increase the capacity of our service and in response to the legal aid crisis and also in response to an, an increasing demand upon our service is introducing our pro bono network. Um, our pro bono network is a group of of volunteer solicitors who will um, who are staffing our evening helplines, providing direct advice and um, information to women who have experienced gender-based violence. Um, that has been a really important step in trying to increase the capacity of our service. We hope, and I hope, to continue to um, increase that and. Um, move to more helplines in the evening um, with solicitor staffing um, which just allows greater access to justice to women who um, have experienced gender-based violence. Um, and also um, we specifically um, recruit from our pro bono network our pro bono network from our um, signposting network which is our a list of solicitors which is on our website of solicitors who have undertaken our two-day domestic abuse training um, and those solicitors we hope have a greater awareness of domestic abuse and trauma-informed practice and um, we facilitate that training um, alongside Scottish Women's Aid, so making sure that they have that trauma-informed training um, through that. Um, and so um, women have this easily accessible list that they can go on and find out. And we've tried to see whether, um, kind of narrow it down in terms of um, solicitors at, um, providing legal aid, um, and they can go on to this and hopefully be able to access you know, trauma-informed um, solicitors. Um, and so we're specifically taking our pro bono network from this, um, from our signposting network. Um, and so our solicitors on our pro bono network, you know, are, are fully trained in terms of providing trauma informed practice. Um, and so that's all about kind of trying to just increase the access to justice. We also, and, and something that we are, um, you know, putting a lot of time and commitment into is our partnership with the University of Strathclyde Law Clinic. Um, we have, um, ha we we have on a um, a weekly basis, volunteers from the, the clinic who, the students who um, provide us with um, volunteering for research work, uh, drafting comms, helping us to research for our cases um, and um, helping to add to our policy and, and, and our, our preparation for training and things like that. Um, the, the commitment and the enthusiasm of the students and what they bring to the Scottish Women's Rights Centre um, and remind us on a, a really a daily basis of how important it is to ensure access to justice is, um, is so important. Um, we're going to be recruiting um, from the law clinic um, and I think we're doing it right now so we'll have a new cohort and um, we'll be training them up and um, it's really exciting and it's great to, to meet the new volunteers and just see how excited they are, enthusiastic and, and remind me um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that things can be hopeful. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great collaboration and, and it's really the, it's a really important part of the Scottish Women's Rights Centre is our partnership working and our collaboration with the University of Strathclyde Law Clinic and Rape Crisis Scotland and really the unique perspective that we can get and provide to women in that holistic manner um, and provide them with a you know holistic approach to their their issues and their situation. Mm. Nicola, I'm going back to you and following on from the holistic support Lindsay mentions, could you describe the trauma-informed approach that the team adopts when delivering these services? 
Sure. So a trauma-informed practice is at the centre of everything that we do as an organisation. Um, when speaking to and supporting survivors, we always have to make sure that we are creating that safe space. You know, most of the survivors that contact us have experienced some form of trauma that has led them to contact us. Um, so we always have to be actively listening, engaging, always demonstrating empathy. We want survivors to feel that they are in control as well. It's quite often the case that survivors have had an experience where something has happened to them that was not within their control. Um, they might have experienced abuse in the past. They might still be experiencing that abuse. They might still be living with that abuse. So they might be feeling unsafe physically and emotionally. So when they are in contact with us, you know, it's really important that they know that it's their choice, it's their decision. Um, we want to empower survivors as well. We want to create a safe space where they build an, an trusting relationship with us, um, that they can choose whether or not to share whatever part of their life they want to share with us. Survivors can sometimes share the most difficult things that they've experienced with us. Um, so we have to have that trusting relationship. Um, we also want to work in collaboration with survivors as well, um, again, to try and make them feel empowered to take control back in their lives um, that was previously maybe taken from them. Um, the SWRC actually received funding to work with survivors um, of counter-allegations or dual and malicious reporting, as it's sometimes referred to. Um, so for those who maybe don't know, counter-allegations and dual and malicious reporting is when a victim of abuse has reported that to the police, reported their perpetrator, their perpetrator may then report the victim to the police and the victim can then find themselves subject to criminal proceedings as well. Um, so we have set up a, what we call a lived experience panel to try and help inform the development of resources, policies and training in this area. Um, so we brought together a small group of survivors who have all experienced some form of counter-allegations um, or dual and malicious reporting to discuss their experience, particularly with the police, with the courts, what that felt like for them, um, what they maybe feel could have made a difference in that experience. Um, so sort of going back to that trauma-informed response, the choice to be involved with that, sat with the survivors, um, the advocacy team identified a few survivors who we felt may be interested in participating in the panel. Um, we explained to them what would be involved and allowed them to make that choice whether they wanted to be involved in that. Um, so participation is entirely voluntary. There's no pressure, there's no expectation. Um, the panel plans to meet, I think, maybe around seven times this year um, and next year as well. The meetings are roughly two and a half hours. Um, with breaks included. It's a very supportive environment. Um, Regan, our justice training worker who sort of runs it, is very experienced um, and obviously creates that kind of trauma-informed, um, supportive environment really as well. Um, and survivors are encouraged to take breaks throughout, you know, throughout it whenever they, they feel they need to as well because we always want to make sure it is that, that safe space. Um, Survivors are also offered follow-up support from the advocacy team as well, following each meeting. And again, they can use that however they wish. They might want to talk through any thoughts or feelings that were maybe brought up during the panel for them. 
um, it's really important that that we offer that because we are asking for people to share their experience we have to make sure that we follow that up with supportive calls as well or it might be that they just want to debrief about how they feel the meeting went as well um, and we also currently have an access and inclusion panel um, which is very similar um, to the Jill and Malicious panel as well so survivors are involved to discuss their experiences of facing barriers when accessing services um, and also facing barriers when trying to access justice. Yeah, that's that's such a cool, I honestly, I didn't know that SWRC had all these different lived experience panels that kind of feed into these different pieces of work. And I think that's so important as well for you to highlight the trauma-informed approach that's necessary. And also having that training for staff to be able to provide and hold those spaces for survivors. I think, yeah, that's just a really cool project. And I definitely want to keep an eye on like, you know, kind of the impact that that does end up having. Mm. Um, Constance, Mm -hmm. we know that the SWRC produces legal guides, resources, so survivors of gender-based violence can access useful information. The staff also provides legal advice through a dedicated weekly immigration advice surgery and provides training. Um, How would you describe its impact? Hmm, good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think um, I'll echo what Nicola was saying. Um, and I think in your question, you kind of highlight what's important is so survivors of gender-based violence can access useful information. I think that's a key point. Um, the goal of the Scottish Women's Rights Centre isn't you know, to tell survivors of gender-based violence what to do, but it is to provide them with as much useful and relevant information as possible. Um, in an accessible manner so that they have everything they need to make a decision on their own or supported, you know, through advocacy workers about how they want to proceed and really gain back control and and be empowered. And I think everything that you've just mentioned, the legal guides, the resources, um, the training that we've been doing and all the advice surgeries that we have, really that's the goal. Um, And I think it's having a huge impact um, seeing the survivors who reach out to us, um, you know, with perhaps language barriers, disabilities, specific needs, um, and the fact that we are able in most cases to accommodate them or otherwise signpost them appropriately has had a big impact. Um, training, the training that we deliver is also about this. Um, it's about sharing the information, sharing the expertise to support workers, to social workers, medical staff, police officers, Um, as many people as we can reach, basically, so that survivors know their rights and are able to seek adequate protection. Um, More specifically, we have um, legal surgeries. We have general legal surgeries um, about any gender-based violence issue, basically. Um, But we also have, more specifically, um, Scottish Women's Rights Centre's immigration legal surgeries, And I think that's quite interesting and important. It really shows how at Just Right Scotland, there isn't a piece of work that is done in isolation with another. Um, It's very much comprehensively understanding their situation. And so it's really interesting to work collaboratively with our colleagues from the Scottish um, Refugee and Migrant Centre. Also, you know, the the Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Centre and specifically the um, SWRC Immigration Legal Surgery showcases that. It understands that women who have experienced gender-based violence might also, you know, have immigration issues linked to that um, violence. And so we're really trying to 
understand the issue, understand their situation and provide them with as much information as possible and really inform them about their rights, both immigration-wise and, and you know, uh, protection-wise. Um, and so, for, for example, we might have a, a service user come reaching out to us. Um, we will have a legal surgery appointment with them and then notice that there might be a need to have specific immigration advice. And so we can, you know, just reach out to our colleagues at the Scottish Refugee and Migrant Centre and say, hey, we've got this service user who we think might really benefit from an immigration surgery as well. And then we can link with them quite easily, um, make sure that they don't have to repeat their story because, you know, we can share the information necessary for that appointment. Um, and just, yeah, really make sure that we've covered all the grounds and shared as much information as possible and I think that's really the impact that we're trying to make and that we have um, and so, yeah again seeing all the service users that have reached out to us that usually have not found the information out elsewhere maybe because again of a language barrier or of a disability and I think um, it's really important that we're able and we have the funding to you know, book interpreters and, and make sure that we create this safe space and have a trauma-informed approach to provide them with what they need and, and make sure that they have the information and they know their rights and that they feel able to take next steps and, again, regain control of their lives. And I think that's the impact that we're having. And, and yeah, it's, it's really impressive and really important. Yeah, I really, really want to, you know, kind of hone down on, on the, the point that you made of sharing information, right? So that that survivor doesn't have to retell the same story mm-hmm. and and po- potentially relive that experience over and over and over. Um, when we can, you know, like you were saying, there's no kind of, there's no isolation to what this person's going through. There's different areas that they fit into and, and these all kind of play into their experience. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I really, really like the point that you made about sharing information and doing this in a collaborative way to hold that space, to mm-hmm. be able to provide that additional kind of um, safe environment for that survivor to be able to get the help that they need and have access to these resources. Um, Nicola, can you tell us a little bit more about the training you provide and the collaboration with partners, including Rape Crisis Scotland? Sure. So we have our justice training worker, Regan, who provides training for the SWRC and also Rape Crisis Scotland. Um, So Regan does a number of training. Um, This includes training to sexual offences liaison officers um, and staff from the Crown as well. And that's about survivors' experience of these systems and the information that, you know, advocacy can provide as well. So um, she provides a few sessions every year um, to those organisations. We also provide training to SICA, who are the Criminal Injuries Compensation Authority, um, about survivors' experience, again, of the justice system, why survivors may struggle with applications, sort of going back to, to what Constance was talking about there as well. Um, so really highlighting, um, you know, inclusion and, you know, accessibility and things like that as well to make sure that people can access these services um, in a way that's that's doable for them, that's manageable for them, or that they are given that the support that they might need um, in order to complete these applications, for example. Um, we also have our domestic abuse solicitor signposting network training as well. So this is training that takes place over two days. And once solicitors have completed this training, we can then add them to our signposting network on our website 
And this means that we have a, a really comprehensive list of solicitors who survivors can access knowing that these solicitors have a really good understanding of gender-based violence, which going from, you know, all the kind of contacts that we get on our helpline um, and our inboxes, that's something that survivors really struggle with when they maybe have a solicitor and it might be a solicitor that's close to them in terms of within their area or that, that they can afford to instruct but it might not be a solicitor that really understands their situation. Um, so that is such a huge part of, of what we do um, in supporting survivors to access these solicitors. We can also then provide them with lots of information about how to instruct a solicitor, maybe what to expect when they first speak with them, um, even things like what sort of documents to take with them when they go and maybe meet with a solicitor for the first time. Again, that might be a process that they haven't really ever gone through before. Um, we also have the SWRC training calendar for workers and volunteers who may come into contact with survivors. So this is training um, that includes the stalking harassment and follow up, which um, I do with Regan a couple of times a year. We also have training that's just an introduction to Scottish Women's Rights Centre as an organisation. Um, we also have damages, compensation and gender-based violence, child contact and residence and also domestic abuse, protective orders and gender-based violence training as well. Wow, that's such a good comprehensive set of trainings that you guys yeah. provide. And I also really like that, you know, once these solicitors take that training, they are put on a list. So then people are able to realize that like, oh, if I want somebody that's going to able to understand me in a, in a different totally. way and, and even just the potential that they may be able to spend maybe more time to be able to kind of work through what yeah. I'm working through. I think that's such an important thing. And, and I like that we have, we're creating that network yeah. of that and continuing that. Um, and I think the work that both of you do is essential to what SWRC is about. And, and I think I see it in the way that you're answering the questions and the, and, and the passion and the like, the understanding and I think having that kind of training does really show through of just how you present yourself in general. Um, so Constance, I'm kind of, I, I kind of want to come back to you. Yes. Um, so what has attracted you to apply for the role of legal caseworker at JRS? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, I think, so the, the big word that comes to my mind is impact and I'll explain why. Um, I'm still quite a young professional, but I've been quite, and I'm using this word, hunted by impact in all the internships, traineeships, you know, early work experiences I've had, I've always been very much looking for how can I, with, you know, the knowledge I have, the expertise I have, um, how can I have the most impact in my work? I've tried several, <laughs> several things. I've tried, you know, charities very much on the ground, NGOs. Um, I've tried politics, higher level governmental, parliamentary, um, a lot of things. Um, but I was never quite satisfied. Um, always a bit um, worried about where the power really, you know, is held. How can we in influence that? And so in my search of how to have the most impact with what I could bring to the table, I got more and more interested in legal work. Um, and I wasn't too convinced by the higher level policy, governmental level, and I was trying to really pinpoint what could I bring to the table again. And I think I got back to client work and I was I was really excited at the idea of working directly with clients, being there 
on the ground where it happens. Um, and also I had just finished my, my master's in human rights law at the University of Edinburgh. And I was very much looking forward to look at that legal aspect of things as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think it kind of came naturally. Um, I was moving back to Scotland, looking for something more client work, using my human rights law background. And then I saw this job and I was like, this would just be ideal, um, especially the, you know, the area of gender based violence was something that had always been in my mind. I think um, the Me Too movement really showed me that protecting and enhancing women's rights was possible. And the political societal environment that we're in, I think, is more enabling than before. And so it, I was really much encouraged that there could be an impact, that something could be done in this area. Um, I also early on in my career, you know, witnessed sexual harassment at work. Um, unfortunately, like many, many other, you know, women and people. Um, and it really, really made me want to act and do something about it. I was um, during a traineeship, the youngest in my office back then, and I could not understand how so many colleagues who had seen it so for so many years uh, before me had done nothing about it. And so I thought, you know, this might just be my way of having an impact working in this sector. And and yeah, when I when I when I heard about Just Right Scotland and, and the Scottish Women's Rights Centre and the role as a legal caseworker, it just made a lot of sense. And I think I found a lot of that impact that I was looking for um, in my work and, and relationships with clients and, and all the work that Just Right Scotland does in general. It's not just, you know, the Scottish Women's Rights Centre, but the way they're able to really have an impact on those who need, you know, their rights to be protected and enhanced. Yeah, and I'm curious because you did mention, you know, you want to work um, directly with the people and that's where you, you know, see that the power and the impact is. And you do have kind of a legal background as well. And I'm curious, would you ever, as far as like a future career, potentially become a solicitor or an advocacy worker? And how does this kind of experience you're gaining now as a legal caseworker build into kind of your future career goals? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, that's very interesting. I'm quite um, nosy, I'd say. I, I really like going with the flow and just I have lots of interest everywhere. And, um, and I'm also always very critical about the work I'm doing now and I try to use this critical analysis to guide me in my future choices but I have to say I think I've felt very close to to, to finding that something that I'm really interested in at Just Right Scotland um, so I think um, the legal casework role that I've had so far at Just Right Scotland um, has really sparked a lot of interest for me Specifically, I've been doing a lot of training on trauma-informed practice, on building supportive skills. And I think that has really triggered my interest, um, specifically in the world of advocacy and support work. And I think I'd be really happy to explore that a bit further. Um, I'm not sure a solicitor would be exactly what I'm looking for, but yeah, definitely something more about, you know, building trust with clients and, and really having this supportive relationship with the client. So I, I kind of want to explore that more um, in my career in the next few years, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. And I'm glad that you bring that in. And, and Nicola, I want to kind of bring you in on this question as well. Um, because you're an advocacy worker and because, you know, you've done this for, for a little bit, could, is there any advice that you would give to people like Constance that are kind of in this in-between and, and curious more about the work that you do? Um, 
yeah if there would be any advice you would give to that person um i think everyone's different i guess you know in terms of experience um some people come into kind of similar roles to myself from other careers um my sort of career i guess has been working with um so my very first job was working in a a gender-based violence organization as well um and then i kind of tried a different a few different things working with children and young people as well um but something always kind of pulled me back to this kind of sector as well but yeah i guess everyone's kind of paths i guess are different to it but i think if it's something that you feel sparks an interest in you or kind of pulls you back to it then it is probably something that you're you're kind of meant to do yeah so before we wrap up i'm gonna ask two final questions um nicola what is your hope for the future of the swrc so i think that we hope the swrc continues to support survivors of gender-based violence in a really meaningful and effective way um i hope that we continue to grow to meet the demands that we have as well and I hope that we continue to become more and more accessible um, and that our work on access and inclusion really helps to mitigate access to justice barriers. Um, I think that is our ultimate goal, really, as an organisation. Yeah. And Constance, what are your hopes for the future of JRS and SWRC? I think I would really like to see how the work that we're doing every day with clients and service users inform change. I think there is... It's, it's really, you know, what the work that we're doing, I think, is really important, but I think it doesn't make sense if we're not using it to speak out and, and act and try and change policies and legislation. Um, we need to make sure that all the, you know, all the experience that we're in gathering, all the expertise that we have is, is being shared. I think we need to, I would really like to see the SWRC um, you know, being quite active and, and out there in terms of making sure that, you know, service users and clients don't need to reach out anymore, if that makes sense. Like, and I think it, we will always be there and we'll, you know, it's important that we're always there because there will always be challenges and, and, and new issues coming up. But I think ultimately, um, yeah, informing policy and policy change and informing, you know, legislation is, is is an end goal I think. And Lindsay? Um, so I think my hope for the future is to continue um, and to really invest in that really thinking about women who are struggling to access justice at the moment and how difficult the system is we're aware of other areas um, in the areas of migration and, and, and other issues that are happening in um, the legal field that is really causing women to have issues with accessing justice and so we are focusing on our materials and ensuring that there are materials available for them so our resources and our guides and things that they can access to um to help them through navigate through a very complex legal system and yeah a special thank you to you all for joining us today i think just hearing about the amount of work that you all do and also the passion that's behind that work that you guys provide is so essential in this sector and in Scotland. It definitely gives us a different perspective of the work that SWRC and and honestly, the amount of work that SWRC does. I'm just, I'm super excited to continue to follow all of you and continue to follow the work that you all are providing. I know this is helping close some gaps and like you all have pointed out, there's still a a lot of work to do. 
But thank you for joining us on our episode today. And for those that are interested in more information about the resources, training, and our immigration advice surgeries, please double check our episode notes and social media posts for links. And like always, listeners, don't forget to like, comment, and share this podcast. Don't forget that you can always listen back to our episodes on Podbean website, podcast streaming services, and social media pages. And we'll catch you next time.